thanks for joining us on this week's Week in Washington. Uh, we'll, as many of you know, the GFA board is currently meeting. So uh, Michael Thomas, Marion Haroon, and I will be your lovely captains for this afternoon's flight. <laughs> so uh, we just want to talk about a couple of things, as you all have probably seen. Uh, there has been quite a bit that's gone on over the past week. I'm sure you all are aware of what has transpired, of course, in particular with the unfortunate passing of Justice Ginsburg, Justice Ginsburg which to a certain extent provided a bit of a twist uh, because now, you know, there was already a lot of attention on the upcoming elections, but there's even more so now. So today, uh, a little bit of a roadmap. We're just going to start off by providing a landscape of, of all that happened this past week and what we can expect in the coming weeks. Uh, we'll have a brief update because uh, maybe a little bit of a surprise or maybe no longer a surprise anymore, but we've got another update to CRF and uh, the guidance that's out there. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some conversations that GFOI is also involved with uh, regarding disclosure. And then we'll just touch briefly on, on what the board is talking about today, especially as it relates to, to committees and the work that you all are involved with uh, you know, in your respective committees. So just to get started, where we are. Again, certain, pretty certain all of you have been reading or seeing about uh, the pretty vibrant debate that's going on right now uh, as it relates to this to the next appointment to the Supreme Court. And there's just a lot of back and forth going on right now, of course, between the two parties, given what happened to the previous election and what happened then. Um, this matters because, you know, we mentioned before that uh, Congress, and we've talked about this and, and mentioned this on a few calls before, but there were a few big ticket items that Congress really still needed to address before uh, what has routinely just become another recess period in October. Uh, and this generally holds true, especially for major elections, because for the most part, um, they all just want to go home and hit the campaign trail fairly hard in the final weeks leading up to that, uh, that Tuesday in November. So we were expecting, uh, you know, a continuing resolution, of course, because federal funding uh, expires middle of next week uh, as the new federal fiscal year starts on October 1. Uh, so we were expecting there to be a short-term uh, extension of that funding. Um, and basically, just as a quick refresher, continuing resolutions are a, a clean extension. For the most part, they can be a clean extension of the funding of federal programs previous fiscal year levels. Now, to be clear, unlike what many of you have to do in your jurisdictions, we do tend to see this, uh, we, we always call it kicking the can down the road uh, here in D.C. And, and unfortunately, it has become more of the rule rather than the exception. And, and this is regardless of the party that's in control. Uh, we've seen, I, you know, I can't even count on just one hand anymore, but the number of continuing resolutions that have been passed, uh, and this really actually started in the late 90s. So, um, can we expect this to continue going forward? Probably, um, but that, that's more, again, it's more the, the rule rather than the exception now where, you know, we're gonna blow past that deadline to actually enact a new budget for the federal government. Um, and we just do short-term extensions to keep getting us to a certain point. So what happened this week? Well, the house actually did act and they kicked a few cans, a few cans down the road this week. Uh, first of all, the federal funding, uh, they passed a CR that essentially extends the previous year's funding levels until December 11. Now, we didn't know 
before the debate or, you know, the debate before was really how long, if they were going to do a short term extension, you know, how long was it going to be? Uh, we thought maybe it could be into December, so it'll get past the election. We also thought it could be into the next year, so that way you actually get the new uh, session of Congress to actually act on that, the, the budget levels. So right now what the House passed um, is set to expire on December 11th. So basically that means once the election is done, when they come back and what you know we typically call a lame duck session, they will have to rehash this fight again to try to figure out um, funding for the for the next um, fiscal year. We don't know, of course, whether uh, at that point in time, whether they will just do another short term extension to get into the new year in into the new session of Congress, or will they just go ahead and fund you know the, the remainder of the fiscal year? So that'll be something that we'll we'll have to watch and see what happens in December. What was included, which uh, was among some of the other things, the, the other big ticket items that we said Congress needed to act on. Uh, they needed to act on the service transportation reauthorization as well as the National Flood Insurance Program. So the bill or the, the CR that the House passed on Tuesday, very broad bipartisan support, also included a one-year extension for the service transportation programs. Um, so again, remember that was supposed to expire next week. And that included a little over $13 billion in, uh, of a general fund transfer to the Highway Trust Fund. The other extension uh, that was included was a one-year extension of the National Flood Insurance Program, which also was set to expire. Uh, that also, again, or for both of those, uh, they, if the House or if the Senate takes this version up without any changes, those will both go until September 30th of next year. Again, another fight that will have to be rehashed next year. Uh, uh, of course, because they'll need, you know, generally uh, programs like the surface transportation reauthorization is done in five-year uh, increments. So the Senate does still need to take this up. Uh, we're expecting, unless anything has changed within the last hour or two, I think we're expecting that to happen sometime early next week. Uh, and right now, the Senate, uh, for the most part, we haven't seen any red flags come up. It seems like they're generally supportive. Um, I know there was a little bit of a fight, of course, over Know, funding for for farmers, um, but that seems to have uh, to been to have been resolved. So it looks like um, that'll you know happen sometime early next week in the Senate. So then what happens? And then they'll all go home to campaign. Uh, as you know, the entire House is up for re-election, and then a third of the Senate is up, as is the case every two years. Uh, but this time around, uh, which is why you're you are hearing once again discussions about you know the Senate potentially flipping. Is there are actually more Republican senators up for re-election than Democrat uh, uh, senators? So, again, you know, it's, it's in, in a lot of areas, you know, they're they're uh, the polls are showing that the that some of these races are pretty close. So it should be exciting to say the least, uh, you know, to watch what happens in the coming weeks. But what has not happened in Congress? Unfortunately, we are nowhere closer to any additional COVID uh, relief package. That was something that had. Uh, you know, we, we saw the debate kind of pick up uh, as we were going into the August recess. We saw some, um, I guess we saw some uh, revival of that discussion as, as members came back in uh, in September because there were only going to be a limited number of days. And we also saw some of that, you know, uh, some of that discussion pop up again because we know some of the, the funding and the aid that has been provided in some of the prior relief bills uh, are going to be running out. So, um, again, unfortunately, we're nowhere closer to any additional relief package. 
Last week, we mentioned that the House or that the White House had actually mentioned that they were willing to move up on the the total uh, uh, cost of a package up to like one and a half trillion. Uh, this week, Speaker Pelosi has tasked her committee chairs to assemble another relief bill. Now, um, you know, we all talked about how the Heroes Act was already out there. It was already passed back in May. But uh, the way things go here in, in D.C., even though it was already passed in May, it's almost outlived its shelf life. And so essentially what they're saying is, is the House needs to act on something else new. And so this new package, what we are expecting at this point, we haven't seen any details, is uh, at least the overall price of this package might come down to just a little over $2 trillion. Uh, more along the lines of, of, of where Speaker Pelosi said a few days ago that they, she just didn't see a, the House moving any package that was any lower than that. So, again, we'll probably see um, what we saw in, you know, these pieces of what we saw in the HEROES Act. We can certainly expect some sort of aid to state local governments, um, as well as increased uh, funding for some of the other programs that were put into place by some of the previous stimulus bills. And, of course, this was, um, you know, Arguably, this may have been prompted, of course, because there was some debate recently uh, over what was going to be done to help the airline industry, because, of course, furloughs are expected soon uh, when aid runs out. And so that was something that, that has come up. But uh, Speaker Pelosi also signaled that they're expecting to try to provide some aid uh, to the airline industry and whatever this new package is going to be. Um, now, mind you, if the House does come out with something, um, they are, I mean, the, They'll need to try to come up with uh, something soon and then try to move on it within the next few days, next or in the early days of next week, simply because, again, most want to try to get out of town just so they can go back and hit the campaign trail for that final few weeks before the election. Um, will they be able to get it done before you know we get into October or even when that aid for some programs runs out? I think that's anybody's guess right now. But the bottom line of that is that, you know, we're not giving up yet. We, we do still think that there is going to be a package. So in particular, since your members are going to be back home over the next month, uh, you shouldn't give up either. Um, we, we continue to hear that, you know, there are still challenges on the horizon for state and local governments. And so whether that's additional aid or even just flexibility in the aid that's already out there now, um, it's certainly a message that you just kind of keep hammering on uh, if you're able to talk to your delegation members when they're back home. Now, back to the other, just really quickly on, on one of the larger matters at hand, of course, uh, is the Supreme Court nomination. We are expecting a nominee to be named tomorrow. And then the Senate Judiciary Committee, which uh, actually can still start uh, nomination hearings, even if the Senate essentially is on recess and everybody else goes home, they can do, they can start some of their hearings and and, and they've already signaled that they would uh, potentially be looking to start their hearings sometime uh, within you know, the next you know, two weeks. So we'll keep watching that also, because that'll certainly play into whether um, the Senate will, depending on how fast they, they, they can get through that, whether the Senate will actually, I, I don't think it'll actually happen, but you know, that whether they'll be called back in before the election. But, Another bottom line to all of this is GFOA priorities like advanced refunding, of course. Um, since the surface transportation uh, reauthorization was uh, included in the CR, it was included as a clean extension into next year. 
it's probably it's, it's not going to serve as an option for priorities like advanced refunding to, to hitch a ride on. But depending on how the agenda shapes up in the lame duck, uh, especially on the funding issue, because you know they're going to have to try to resolve that come December 11th, um, and any other issues that may you know they may decide that they want to act on before the new session of Congress comes in in January. Um, there's still a chance that, you know, some of those priorities that we've been working on that actually has seen some really strong and positive movement this year uh, could be attached. So with that, again, just a quick landscape overview. I will turn it over. Maria, why don't you tell us uh, the latest and greatest on what happened with the CRF this week? Greatest and bright, Michael. Thank you for asking. Um, so this week marked a big win for state and local governments, specifically CRF prime recipients. This is because on Monday, September 21st, the OIG finally released the long-awaited updated document of their CRF FAQs, making changes to the reporting requirements on payroll costs for public health and public safety employees to match the August 10th guidance by the Treasury. And we touched on the issue last week, but just a quick recap. This was regarding the conflicting guidance from the Treasury's August 10th FAQs and then the OIG's August 28th FAQs when it came to reporting requirements on payroll costs for public health and public safety employees. And this had caused a lot of controversy and no one was happy as Treasury's guidance from August 10th very clearly implied that recipients could presume payroll costs for public health and public safety employees to be payments for services substantially dedicated to mitigating the pandemic. And many recipients had then moved forward according to this guidance until on August 28th, the August, um, August 28th, and then the OIG dropped their guidance, which, unlike the Treasury's document, required a lot of documentation to be provided from prime recipients to prove their expenditures regarding the funds um, for payroll. So this was problematic, obviously, because many recipients had not maintained that type of documentation, um, and this was now being required of them. It was never communicated, so there was a huge issue there, and so a lot of advocacy took place addressing this issue, and then September 21st came, the sea parted, and there it was, flexibility by the OIG's FAQs adapting the guidance previously released by the Treasury. And I'm going to share my screen and quickly show you how significant the changes were. Okay, so you are looking at, so this is August 28th. This is, this is the new one. The highlighted one is August, sorry, uh, September 21st. So I'm going to go through the old ones first just to show you how significant the changes were. Of course, before the questions on, you know, will governments have to demonstrate or substantiate that an employee's functions or duties were in fact substantially dedicated to mitigating the emergency? Yes, through documentation and so on. And see all of this, the questions are very similar in terms of what needs to be provided or what they're going to require from them. And the answer is always yes, well, right here, yes, yes, and yes. The government is required to maintain documents and financial records to support all payroll expenses, et cetera. But then if we go over here, you can see, first of all, everything starts with no, no, and no, which is wonderful. So no government, the governments will not have to demonstrate or substantiate that a public health or public safety employees functions duties were substantially dedicated to mitigating the emergency, but must maintain records and documentation supporting payroll amounts reimbursed using CRF proceeds. Similarly here, governments will not have to demonstrate substantiate that a budgeted public health or public safety employees functions was a substantially different uh, use. And then one more time, no, the government is not required to perform an analysis or maintain documentation of the substantially dedicated conclusion for payroll expenses of public safety, public health, health care, and human services employees. 
So there you can see huge changes, a lot of flexibility, which is really great. I think it just shows that when the people come together and speak loud and clear, change is possible. Um, but while I'm sharing my screen, I just want to show you, if you go to gfoa.org, how to get to this page. We have all the updated information. If you go to advocacy and awards, there's federal advocacy right there. You're going to go to COVID-19 stimulus. This leads you to this page, the Coronavirus Response Resource Center. You're just going to go down and click on COVID-19 Relief Fund. And here, this is where we're putting all of the updated links, which will take you to the latest information. I'm going to stop sharing my screen and pass it over to Michael Thomas for some more updates. Uh, the Disclosure Industry uh, Working Group um, that GFOA has been spearheading and, and obviously been part of the past year, I believe, since July of last year. I wanted to touch on a couple of things. Um, I realize I'm wagging the dog here, but uh, the surface transportation uh, passage or approval, I should say, um, that has become a very, very reliable piece of legislation. Uh, that and the water um, authorization for dredging and that goes to the EPA, WARDA. Um, the reason that is, is yes, they're, they're inherently popular because they are extra dollars that put up projects that generally um, buttress economic development and local businesses. But uh, as always, actions speak louder than words. And the fact that Congress is so bent on getting this done every year uh, and so bent on getting it drafted uh, as a bill earlier than all the other ones is a testimony to all of you in using those programs, uh, because that is how we advocate for the expansion and the uh, uh, the sustaining of those programs, like your capital investment um, uh, grants, your, your, your TIGER, what became BUILD, your infras, all this stuff. It, we simply use the projects that come from the districts our members are a part of and work in. Uh, and that is the only thing really that is that is keeping money from going away because this this clean reauthorization uh, is just that you basically just take last year and carbon copied over with very, very few adjustments. In a normal uh, topic with uh, really either party, uh, you would definitely find uh, a reason to cut those funds to suspend projects to even get political and, and take it away from certain you know jurisdictions, but it, it is just uh, it's such a popular uh, reauthorization for those grant programs because it's so you know, used by all of you so frequently that they couldn't possibly you know deal with that uh, anyway so whacking the dog finding some silver linings in a in a interesting year moving on to the uh, disclosure industry uh, working group now this is not something that i, I particularly uh, cover this is emily's bailiwick but i know a call occurred last tuesday and we are sort of a month past uh, uh, the document being uh, released and now we're, we're sort of having uh, uh, obviously the new cycle it makes it hard to squeeze everything in but over the past week or so seeing some more um, uh, volume on, on this discussion uh, I'm going to go ahead and link it here just in case uh, not everybody has has seen it or is it not familiar with the uh, disclosure industry working group again July 2019 uh, after uh, a few meetings with chairman uh, Jay Clayton from the SEC uh, GFOA, uh, uh, led by our intrepid leader, Emily Brock, uh, spearheaded together a, a industry working group to discuss the issues behind disclosure requirements uh, for public issuers, municipal issuers, particularly uh, stemming from uh, increased volume from regulators uh, uh, to open up the discussion more. And what we have there is sort of the end result. Now, since in July 2019, uh, we hadn't invented uh, time machines or crystal balls, 
we didn't know that the pandemic was going to happen. Uh, so there was, uh, it was difficult. Are we, do we want to perceive it this? And we know that there's another world perhaps on the other side. Uh, but in a show of actual leadership, uh, the, the group moved it forward. And now we actually have some industry standards to rely on in a time when there are so few standards that we can actually seem to keep our keep underneath our feet. So looking in there, what you're going to find is uh, information addressing how to handle some COVID uh, disclosures. It doesn't run away from that, uh, from the continuing materials, um, dates. The biggest takeaways here uh, is that, you know, the regulators, they haven't actually, uh, you know, relaxed any of, you know, your timeline uh, uh, windows for making the disclosure of the material events after they occur. Um, but please take a look there. And I want to make a quick call out to uh, Mr. David Erdman, if he's on the line. I think maybe we have one call in user. Okay. Uh, I believe he was there during a call uh, this uh, past Tuesday. Uh, see if anyone was there during that call. Uh, just to go over brief topics, but uh, no matter, no big deal there. So please uh, take a look there at the uh, the document posted in the comments. There'll be more follow up in the near future, uh, and this will be getting wrapped into future uh, GFOA uh, events that you'll all be hearing more about. Uh, before uh, passing off one more time, and I'm kind of nerding out here, so forgive me, uh, I'm sure many of you are um, uh, lovers of political and American history. Uh, the next uh, six weeks to eight weeks, uh, you know, putting all the tumultuous stuff aside, and there is plenty of tumultuous stuff, uh, this will be uh, some of the most interesting and compelling political drama uh, probably of our lifetimes. Uh, so if you're a fan, just strap in. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, Michael. All right. Um, thanks for that update. And as many of you know, we are September 25th, so we're just a little, maybe about 10 days into the new term year for committees. So certainly uh, there may be some of you who um, will be, uh, whose term is ending. So obviously we definitely want to thank you for your service and all. Uh, we should start see, we should start seeing some newer members coming. Um, and then uh, I know most staff should, um, should be a, uh, should be doing their outreach to the new members. Um, th as, as mentioned earlier, as, as you all know, the GFOA board is currently meeting. Uh, they're going to be discussing a few things relevant to the committee or to the work you all do on committees. I know only a handful of best practices and advisories are, are going to be presented today. I was trying to see if I had any other of my fellow uh, committee staff on the call right now, but um, so. I know some of you know me as uh, one of the liaisons who works with the Committee on Retirement and Benefits Administration. So, for example, uh, one of the advisories that the board will be taking up will be uh, an update to one of the advisories on deferred retirement option programs uh, that, that CORBA went through over the past year. And believe me, it was certainly challenging because we did not have the in-person component. Um, but uh, we will uh, certainly... Um, uh, hopefully still try to find a way to work within this new norm. But at any rate, you know, with, with that, uh, with that update to advisory, one of the things that we spent some time trying to do was just to try to update it. So it actually took a stronger stance. We, the, the proposed revision took a stronger stance on the use of drops, basically saying that governments do not use them. Um, and, and for the most part, we, you know, expand a little bit on why they tend to put, to, to pose as challenges because of the difficulty in, in assessing 
um, what the cost impact will ultimately be. So we'll, you all will probably seeing a few updates uh, over the, the next few days. Of course, uh, the board meeting should be wrapping up in the next hour or so, uh, but you should see that uh, coming out as well. Um, and then the, the, the last thing that uh, we'll wrap up with before we open it up to any questions is, is um, as, as you all know, we, we've been trying to figure out how to do uh, in-person meetings uh, and, of course, being on committees. Um, you all know that there is a requirement to have to, to be at least at one of the in-person meetings throughout the, the term year. But uh, and, and for the most part, that next meeting for many of you or for all of us would have been the uh, Washington meeting in January. But some of you probably have already seen, I think, uh, maybe the debt committee, you've already see, received some of your updates, but, you know, everyone is working on every, all staff are working on their updates to their committee members. But it does not look like we are anticipating being able to meet in person in January. I'm sure you all understand. Um, many of you may even still be under some sort of travel ban. So um, your staff will, will be in touch to figure out how we're going to do this. Uh, I know we all had meetings. Uh, in and around the annual conference uh, because we all know we still have work to do as committee so as committee members so we'll be in touch on that um, but again i know some of you have already seen that um, or should be seeing that soon but um, we will certainly uh, be looking at ways to be able to still have some form of a meeting uh, obviously you know webex is certainly one of those options that we've been using a lot lately so we'll be looking at that again uh, with that, I will stop there and see if there are any questions. Um, thank you for, yes, the link. We'll, we'll do our best, of course, with the updated FAQs, especially if any more come out or any new things come out. Um, as some of you have seen the updated newsletter, we're, we're trying to put it up to where you can actually link to the newsletter and um, you can find links to the newsletter under some of the other content areas like the Federal Advocacy Center. Uh, we'll just make sure that you can try to find the information as quickly as possible. I don't see any questions coming in over the chat at this point. So um, again, we'll, we'll, we're uh, glad you all joined us this afternoon. We'll end a little bit early and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you all next week. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you.